Thank you to Phil and Kelly for all of that. Um, lots going on in the life of our, our church. Um, the, there are a lot of really significant things happening. You can sense that, um, particularly as Kelly was sharing about the numbers and um, the help that we need people to step forward. Um, the buzz is real. Um, the buzz is real, and it feels very exciting. I personally feel a, a real um, air of anticipation um, at what God is doing amongst us in these days. Um, we do want to prepare the nets. We want um, to be ready for all um, that is to come in the days and the weeks and the months um, that are ahead of us. I do believe also that I sense the power of the, the prayers of God's people um, from yesterday as the prayer room was open from 8 a.m. Um, to 10 p.m., um, just that sense of uh, adoration rising from the prayer room, uh, confession, intercession, God's people praying. I do believe that I could sense the power um, yesterday of, of, of us praying as a church family. Let's keep, uh, keep on with that. I'm really excited about these 100 days of prayer, and you can really get involved, I guess, in, in lots of ways, but let me mention um, before I pray three specific ways you can get involved in that. Shane has helped put together a, a brilliant um, prayer um, study guide, a little guide that will go alongside these 100 days of prayer. It is fantastic. There's really good stuff in there. So you can use that in your personal devotional time or as a family um, to help you pray uh, deeper, closer, and wider. So please access that online or on our social media as well. You can book a prayer slot please do that. You can see the slots are booking up really quickly. Um, so get in there, get booked into the prayer room for um, Saturdays over these next few months. And then come to Refresh, which is our rebranded Sunday evening um, gathering, Sunday evening service, which will be happening next Sunday. Isn't that right, Shane? I'm looking to you for guidance just to make sure I get that right. It's next Sunday evening at 7 p.m. So please do come to that. We're calling it Refresh um, in line with our theme, um, in the morning times, we're going to think again around um, God's Word and, and kind of refresh our hearts and our minds and our souls and what we've been working through on Sunday mornings. And then we'll also spend time in worship and prayer, as has been the pattern during Sunday evening. So that's next Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Please do uh, make every effort to come out for that. Just before we pray and open up God's word, can I just say um, as well, the buzz around the church, um, the, the noise of kids is really good. Um, don't ever let that put you off or, or don't ever think, goodness, I need to get my kids either quiet. Don't gag them, it's fine. Um, we like the buzz and the noise. My own children um, are, are just the same. Um, but it's a sign of health, isn't it? It's a sign of vitality and life. Um, so don't ever worry about the noise that your kids are making before they head out to Kingdom Kids. I just want to say that. I think that's really important. Um, let's take a few moments together before we open up God's Word to pray. So let's, um, let's come before God in prayer. We know that tomorrow all eyes and ears will be on the funeral service of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. This week I heard about a conversation that she held with an acquaintance in which she is said to have stated... I wish Jesus would come back in my lifetime. And when the queen was asked why, she reportedly replied, because I would place my crown at his feet. Lord God, we just ponder that thought as we come in 
once again in prayer before the one who is the King of Kings. Lord God, we pray for tomorrow's funeral service. The eyes of the world will be watching. Lord God, we pray for Archbishop Justin Welby as he leads that service. May he bring to the nation, to the world, the good news of Jesus. May he point hearts and minds towards the King of Kings. And in the sadness, Father, may your light shine. As people mourn and lament, may hope be inspired as Christ is preached and as he is magnified. Lord God, this is a sad time when we think about that, but this is also a new day, a new king, a new government. Lord, for some people, change can be unsettling, but we know that these are also days of opportunity. Lord, we sense your presence and your power at work among us here. And Father, we ask that your spirit would lead your people into days of fresh opportunity. Lord God, that there would be an outpouring of your spirit in these days that we're living in, that there would be a sense of your blessing upon your church, Father. We know that only you can do that. Lord, we also pray this morning for those who are hurting or broken, those who are anxious, those whose hearts are heavy. Your word reminds us in Lamentations 3 that because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, in the stillness, we pause and we pray for those in our lives, those in this building, those listening online. We bring them before you, those who need to be reminded that your compassions never fail that they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, in the stillness, we bring those before you who really need to know this in their lives right now. Father, we thank you that your word also reminds us that you're good to those who hope in you, to the one who seeks you. Father, you tell us to wait quietly, patiently for the salvation of the Lord. May we be people who seek you, who wait for you, who wait upon the Lord. May we be totally dependent on you. Lord, you're the giver of every good gift to us. You're our loving, compassionate, heavenly Father. And Lord, now as we come before you and open up your word once again, Father, we thank you that your word is alive and active and we pray that your spirit um, once again would take your word and make it come alive in our hearts. So lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, why don't you open it um, at the passage that was read earlier on from John chapter 3. We're going to work through this um, over these next few moments. I heard recently about a motivational author um, who a number of years back wrote this about the wind. He said, the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects the wind to change, but the realist adjusts their sails. I thought that was really good as we continue to pray for this fresh 
um, movement of God in our days, a fresh outpouring upon us of his spirit. Um, I think this author was spot on when he was talking about the wind because what I believe God is calling us to um, as his people in these days is an adjustment of our sails to catch the wind, to adjust the sails of our hearts so that we can sense and know and lean into what God is saying and what God is doing in this moment in history um, as we live for him. I absolutely love the Gospel of John. I love all four Gospels, of course, but the Gospel of John um, just has a... uh, John the Apostle takes some incredible angles on the life um, and ministry of Jesus. And some of the themes that John weaves through his Gospel are, are just fascinating. And so today we've read from John chapter 3, we read up to verse 15, but I want to consider um, verses 1 to 8 in particular this morning as we think about two big thoughts that should come up on the screen behind me. The first one is this, um, the Spirit's work within us and then the Spirit's work around us as the people of God. We're, We're eager for both of those things, aren't we? We're eager that the Spirit of God would work within us would work within people in our lives and all around us. And we're eager um, that the Spirit of God would work and move around us, in our homes, in our, in our communities, in this church family. So the Spirit's work within us, um, first of all, let's think about this, because Jesus, in this moment that was read, um, we read about a, an inquisitive Pharisee called Nicodemus, Um, He had an inquisitive heart. And by the way, if you're you're here this morning um, or listening in online and you've got questions about faith or Jesus or or, or the church or what it means to follow uh, Christ, you're in good company. Um, You're here on a good Sunday. You're listening in um, on a good Sunday if you're joining us online. This man, Nicodemus, he was a religious man. He had questions for Jesus. He came with with, uh, things that he wanted answered. He was querying who Jesus was. He had questions about faith in Christ. Just this morning, as I was praying about about our gathering, the young people um, in this church family were really on my heart. You young people who are in here right now, um, you, you ask questions about lots of things. In school, you get asked questions. You're thinking about things. Your, your minds are expanding and growing. And I, I want to say to you young people, Ask questions about Jesus. Consider who he is. Like Nicodemus who comes to Jesus and wants to know all about him and who he really was. You young people, we want you to ask questions about Jesus. And we believe that if you're sitting in here right now and you kind of maybe wish you were out at Connect or, or somewhere else, we believe that what you hear in here as we open up the word of God and speak about Jesus, we believe this is transformational for your life at your age as you look to the future. So you young people listen really carefully um, to this moment in John's gospel about this inquisitive man, Nicodemus, who has questions for Jesus. He was a religious man. He was a Jewish leader. And he is intrigued by who Jesus is. Nicodemus says in verse two, if you're following it, he says, Rabbi, he says to Jesus, we know Um, We know that you're a teacher who has come from God, okay? So he sees that. He knows that Jesus has something about him, that he is special. 
that Jesus is unique. We know that you come from God. He says, who else could perform the things and the signs that you're doing if God were not with him? So he's like, Jesus, we know who you are. We can see that you're special. We see that you're a really good teacher, that it seems like you come from God. But underneath it all, Nicodemus is asking Jesus, who are you really? You intrigue me. I'm intrigued by who you are. Who are you really? I was thinking about this in Alpha session two. Could have helped Nicodemus out really well um, if Alpha was gone back in Jesus' day. What we see in John's gospel woven throughout the pages of his gospel is this incredible theme of darkness and light. All the way through the gospel of John, there's this theme of darkness and light. We see it right at the beginning in John chapter 1, those opening 18 verses, which are like the trailer to the rest of the book of John. And we read that, that, that Jesus was the light of the world, that he came into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. And then we're supposed to notice with Nicodemus that he comes to Jesus in the darkness of night. John wants us to know that, that Nicodemus comes in the shadows, he comes in the darkness, but actually his own heart is as dark as the night sky above him and the shadows all around him. Nicodemus comes in the darkness and he needs his heart to be spiritually illuminated. And Jesus tells Nicodemus straight up in verse 3, he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus, perhaps unsurprisingly, is perplexed by that, you know. That sounds like a really strange thing, Jesus, for you to say. How can someone be born again when they're old? How can someone come out of their mother's womb again? Goodness, no, Jesus, that cannot possibly happen. But the truth is that we're all born into this world, born from our mother's womb, born in need of a new birth, every single one of us. And this is, trans, this is foundational to our Christian faith. We can never, ever forget or leave aside the reality that everybody, everybody needs a rebirth. If we want to know God, we need to be born again of the Spirit of God, we're all born outside the family of God. We're all born outside the kingdom of God. And therefore, we need adopted into the family and into the kingdom of God. And the only way for that to happen is for us to experience a rebirth. And that's why we do things like Alpha. That's why we, we want to instigate and initiate conversations where we can say to people, look, you need to know the creator of this universe. You need to know that, that, that you can only come to really know him by being born again of, of the spirit of God, by having a new birth. You know, I have the utmost respect for many professions, and I know there are lots of people in lots of different jobs and professions in this room, but, um, but one profession more than any other in the last 14 years has developed within me a deep sense of respect, admiration, and personal gratitude more than any other profession in the world has done. It's more than a profession. It's a vocation. It's that of the midwife. I have the most, uh, the, the utmost of respect for any, any midwives in, in, in here at the moment or, or studying for midwifery. Maybe, okay, this, yeah, yeah. 
We have the, the, I have the utmost admiration and respect for what you do. Um, we were delighted at our installation service just a few weeks back to have our midwife there. And I'm sure she looked at the four young lives at the front alongside us with, with real thankfulness um, in her heart that she played a really special part in bringing them safely into this world. You midwives, you're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. If you're studying midwifery, I think you're amazing. You're incredible. I also know that you experience some of the hardest of times as well. Some of the most difficult moments. But the way that you bring new life into the world is nothing short of remarkable. Thank God for midwives. But greater still, in the kingdom of God, there is a helper, a spiritual helper, the Holy Spirit who is available to us, who brings about a different kind of new birth. He brings about a different kind of new life. His role is to bring about this second birth that Jesus talks to Nicodemus about in John chapter 3. John has already teed this up in chapter 1 where John talks about um, those who, who believe in God are, are born as children of God. They're not born of, a, of, a, of the will of man, but they are born of God. So John has already teed this up and then he fleshes this out in this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus where Jesus says to Nicodemus, you cannot be born again unless you're born of water and the Spirit. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit. What on earth does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit? Well, water in the Bible speaks of cleansing, deep cleansing. We need deeply cleansed of our sin. Water speaks of cleansing, and the Spirit of God is the agent of transformation. He is the one, the only one, who can bring about the transformation of the human heart. And so to be born of, of water and the Spirit means that we uh, can experience by the Spirit of God a new birth that both completely cleanses us, praise God, completely cleanses us. If anything we've ever done, we're completely cleansed and we are transformed completely. We're made new. Is that good news for anybody in, in, in church this morning? Some of you, honestly, I've said this before, some as Presbyterians, we definitely need to smile more when, when really, really like good things are said from the front of church that should bless our heart. Yes. <laughs> Such good news that to be born of water and the Spirit means that we're completely cleansed and completely transformed. We're a new creation. It's the best news there could ever be. In Ezekiel 36, 25 to 26, just can't get away from Ezekiel these days. God says this. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, says God, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. You know, if you're here listening in the building or online and you're wondering what it means to be a Christian, this is it, that we can have a new heart that we can have a totally fresh start in life, that we can be born again of water and the Spirit, completely cleansed, completely transformed. So let me remind you, if you follow Jesus, uh, and let me declare to you, if you don't yet, that to be in Christ is to be a new creation. 
totally cleansed and completely transformed. Jesus is teaching Nicodemus here that like produces like. Okay, like produces like. He says to Nicodemus, a human life can only reproduce another human life. But he says spiritual life, the Holy Spirit of God is the only one who can bring about spiritual life. We can't produce this Nicodemus in and of ourselves. Come on, church family, I know you know this. Let me remind you of this. We cannot produce this kind of life in ourselves. We can't muster it up. We can't earn it. We can't somehow reach our way up to spiritual life before God. We can't manufacture spiritual life. Only the Spirit of God can do this. Someone has said this of Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. They said, if Jesus had said to him, unless you're washed, you cannot see the kingdom of God, then we might think, well, I can wash myself. A man might wash himself, but they could never birth themselves. We cannot birth ourselves. We can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit of God can create this new birth. And so we're in a season, aren't we, where we're praying for a fresh move of God where we see people all around us, in our communities, in our families, be born again of the Spirit of God. That's what we're praying for, that the Spirit of God would move and would work, that people would realize, I cannot do this myself. I need God to move. I need God to move. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. What about the work of the Spirit? Very quickly and secondly, the work of the Spirit around us. Well, in verse 8, in verse 8, Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases, wherever it, it, it wills. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And he likens the, the Holy Spirit to, to wind. Remember, we talked about that last week, the ruah of God, the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God, the same word, he, the Holy Spirit, is the wind of God. The day of Pentecost, the Spirit came. What did he come like? A rushing wind. It's the unpredictable wildness of the wind. These are exciting days. You know, we believe that God is at work among us. Um, we're, we're talking about the importance, and Kelly's already mentioned this. We're talking about the importance of preparing our nets, making sure we're ready for what God is going to do. And we're going to do that. We will do that diligently. We're going to prepare our nets. We're going to prepare in every way that we can, but we can't prepare for the unpredictable wildness of the wind of God's Spirit. Why is that? Well, that's because the wind blows wherever it pleases. Jesus said that. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. The Spirit of God moves in ways that sometimes we, we never anticipated. We thank God for that. Sometimes God's Spirit touches lives that we never, ever, ever anticipated the Spirit of God touching. The early Celtic Christians around the 5th to the 8th centuries um, had a name for the Holy Spirit that at first might sound a little irreverent, and you might think that when you hear this, but they sometimes referred to the third person of the Trinity as the wild goose. And I think that what they meant when they thought about that was that the Spirit of God can't be tracked or tamed 
a little bit like a wild goose. Maybe they, in those days they chased wild gooses, wild geese around. I don't know. Um, but they spoke of the Holy Spirit as being like the wild goose. He blows wherever he pleases. He's at work in ways that we could never anticipate or control. He's like a wild goose. Whenever I think of sailors, anyone who has ever sailed, they'll tell you that, that they're entirely at the mercy of the timing and the direction and the strength of the wind. If you're a sailor, you'll know all about the unpredictability of the wind. Whether it's a fresh, stiff, steady wind or a gentle breeze that gives way to unexpected gusts of wind or the frustration of a deadly calm day when the wind doesn't blow, the wind can be so unpredictable. So it is with the fresh wind of God's Spirit. You know, we don't want to fail in our preparations but we also don't want to fail to be surprised at what God does. We don't want to fail to be surprised by the unpredictable ways, even the wild ways that the, God, that the Spirit of God might work. You see, we're totally dependent on the wind. We're totally dependent on God to move. We need Him to move. So what should we do? How should we approach something, someone, the Spirit of God, who's so unpredictable, and yet someone, the Spirit of God, who we're so dependent on? How should we approach this? Well, as we come to a close, let me continue this sailing metaphor. Sailors are fully dependent on the wind. And as spiritual navigators here on earth, we need to be those who watch the sails. We need to be those who, who wait on the wind of God. And I suspect that watching and waiting for us as Christians doesn't come that easily to us. How good are you at waiting for God? How good are you at waiting for God to speak as you open up the Bible and as we spend time in his presence? I think it's a spiritual discipline that we don't do very well, or maybe we don't do it at all. This idea of waiting on God. I think we're really good at reading the Bible. Well, some, some people are at reading the scriptures or maybe good at journaling through the scriptures and journaling down thoughts, but I wonder how good we are at waiting on God. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, the word of God contains not only one of the most incredible promises, I think, in all of the scriptures, but for me, um, one of the most incredible discoveries that I've ever made in the Bible. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But the discovery that I made a number of years ago was that, that the word for hoping in the Lord, the word kava, actually carries the same meaning as, as praying or waiting or hoping. And so what we're being told is that those who, those who hope in the Lord are those who wait on the Lord. They're those who, who rest in the Lord. They're those who linger with God. And the promise is that when we wait on the Lord, when we linger long enough with him, when we rest in him, we will renew our strength. When we hope, when we wait, when we pray, when we rest in the Lord. And the word also carries a sense of expectation that when we wait on the Lord, when we wait for his presence, when we wait for God to move and work in our lives, we will discover that he does. 
But we must wait on him. We must linger with God. We must wait in anticipation when we come to him for him to speak and move in our lives. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, Jesus says, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so as the people of God, we wait in anticipation and dependence for the wind to blow. I think that's what's at the heart of this 100 days of prayer. We're adjusting our seals. We're waiting on God. Hearts fully dependent on him. We ask, Lord God, move. Spirit of God, do what you alone can do within the hearts of people who need to be brought to spiritual life. Spirit of God, do the work within the hearts of those who have grown cold in their faith. Do what you alone can do. We wait for you to do that work. And Spirit of God, move around us. Move in ways that we might never, ever have anticipated or expected. You see, the third thing about the wind is that the wind has unmistakable effect. The wind is invisible. The wind is unpredictable. But the effects of the wind are unmistakable. Isn't that right? You see the trees blow. You see the waves roar. So it is with the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God moves in a person's life, the impact and the effect of that is unmistakable. I was going to say, you know, put your hand up if you've experienced the life changing power and effect of the Spirit in your life. And I would imagine nearly every single one of us would put our hands up. And so as we come to worship God in response, let's just bow our heads and bow our hearts before the Lord. Let's pray before we sing again. Let's take a moment to wait upon the Lord. when we wait on you, Father, we're reminded all over again that you are with us. Father, as we bow before you, we thank you for that deep work of your Spirit in our lives, bringing us to a new birth, new life in Christ. Father, we pray that the wind of your Spirit would continue to blow in this place, into the barren places, into those places and people's lives that when we look at them, we think there's a sense of deadness there. Father, we pray again that you would bring those people, those places to life, life in your Spirit. Lord God, we thank you that that you have changed us from the inside out. And the only response from the hearts of your people, the only response is to worship you. So Father, we respond now and we worship you in spirit and in truth. Be glorified, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name we ask.
Amen. Amen. Let's worship God together.